Hi, welcome to the Flying Tortuga Brothers podcast. I'm your host, Carl Stoveland, along with my partner in the podcast and in the Flying Tortuga Brothers, Shannon Torrance. Hey, Shannon. Hey, hello, everybody. We've been away for a little bit of a while. Uh, our last episode was the interview with Clyde, I think, the two-parter. And we've both been hard at work on our art and traveling. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we'll talk about what's coming up on our plans for taking the beachfront and becoming the artist in residence at Loggerhead Key in 2020. Loggerhead 2020, that's our motto. Or bust, yeah. <laughs> or bust, exactly. Okay, Shannon, let's start with you. Where have you been lately? What have you been working on? Just got back from North Florida, Homosassa Springs, Brooksville area of Northwest Florida. Not really Northwest, more North Central Florida, West Coast. And what's that closest to? Tampa, St. Pete. Okay. So I took in the Dolly Museum, which was lovely. Um, I've been meaning to get there. I have to find myself in that area just so I can do that. It's pretty amazing. It really is. I was, I was, I learned a lot and I was actually shocked by some of the pieces I saw. They were a lot more detailed and, uh, slick, a lot more slick than I thought they were going to be. I love when art can still surprise me. I find that to be really, really fun. Yeah, he definitely does it. That's for sure. So what were you guys doing in the area? What were, what was your vacation and work like? Well, my wife, Dina really needed a break. So uh, she spent most of her time, uh, most of her time reading, I think she read five books while we were there. So, um, we had rented an Airbnb on this large farm, um, and it had a pool. So basically I would get up and paint. I painted every day. So I was painting, uh, pastures and cows and windmills and, uh, barns. And it was fun. It, the colors are totally different there. The light's different. Um, the how, how is the light different? What's the, what is the difference? I think the, it's a cleaner sort of brighter light in, in a way. And the greens, I think were the, the thing that really surprised me the most, the green set of the greens are like the countryside of England. They're that really bright, mm -hmm. bright kind of green with a lot of yellow mixed into it. Is there a tonal difference to the sky as well? Um, the sky there was a lot different than here. The, the sky actually, I think is clearer blue here. There it gets a little more, um, lavendery color as, as it progresses higher. Mm -hmm. to the dome over your head um i've always noticed that the further west you get you get more of a magenta or a pink cast in instead of a yellower cast into the into the blues where we get a cobalt here it's more of a french ultramarine blue on the other coast i would agree yeah and that's what i was finding in the paintings as well and the greens are totally different there because there's so much grass you know with the farmland and the, the cows grazing and everything so it really look if you've ever flown over ireland or Know anybody that has when you look out of a window at like nine o'clock in the morning when you're flying over it, it's so green. You're like, holy cow, I've never seen anything that green in my life. That's kind of a. Yeah. And that green gets thrown into the shadows and really, really takes on part of everything around it. Yeah. It gets like this. Um, so when I'm, when I was mixing some of the deep shadow greens, it's a uh, color pain gray mixed with like this Jenkins green and then a tiny bit of umber just to give it a little warmth, but most of it's cold. It's got yeah, a the paint's gray is to pull it down a little bit and back it off of the yeah. the gas pedal. Yeah. So cool. it was it was interesting painting something different, you know, and painting every day. Um, you know, for five days straight, I painted every day for three or four hours a day. That's a routine. That's sometimes longer, which is what the island will give us too. You know, every day we'll be doing like what you were doing with your photography lately. Mm -hmm. How many paintings were you able to uh, complete? I did six paintings in five days. Well, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I sold one before I was home, um, 
sold another one the day after I got home. So good. Still a couple up. available on my Instagram if you guys are looking. That's right, and that's Tottlecroft Studio on Instagram for Shannon Torrance. Shameless plug. That's right, and I can say for sure that the work is beautiful. I have several pieces, but they're also very, very fairly priced. <laughs> Got to keep it affordable. Cool. And you guys were gone for a week, a little over a week? Yeah, right around a week. And then we had a couple of days off when we got back just to kind of settle back into the household routine. You need that, right? That's just part of vacationing as we get older. You can't just come back at three o'clock in the morning and show up for work the next morning. No, you show up with dirty laundry and you want to get it done. Yeah, exactly. So. And for me, I was uh, I was gone for three weeks. I don't remember the last time I've been away from Lake Worth for this long, and it was a very different experience. I was 3,430 miles from home. I basically parachuted in on a chunk of my friend Sean Moss's cross-country journey that he's photographing from Florida all the way to California, all the national parks. He's right now in the Arctic Circle, and he's coming back down, going across the top of the country and down the East Coast. I parachuted in for nine days with him. I didn't actually parachute but you get the idea. We camped in four different locations in Oregon and Washington. I have never seen country like that before. The furthest north I've been was San Francisco in California, and it's just amazing. So the camping experience was um, refreshing, I imagine, after not camping for a while, probably. I loved it. I mean, I think the last time I camped was before Wendy and I got married in 1989, so it's been a while. We met up in Portland and started from there and went through Tillamook National Forest and then took 101 and started heading north. So we spent the first two nights at Cannon Beach, which is Haystack Rock and that area. Absolutely beautiful country. From there, we went to the Hood River. We went back past Portland and through the Columbia River Valley and then up to Hood Mountain and spent two days in that area, uh, which was fantastic. I can't get over the size of the trees in the Pacific Northwest and the the clarity of the sky on the coast when it's not completely fogged in, when it burns off and it's clear for the day, that part of the day is just liquid blue. It's just so amazing. I shot roughly 4,000 pictures in around three weeks because I did a little bit of exploring in Oregon before I got to Sean, and then I went to California and spent time with my brother afterwards. So around three weeks, 4,000 pictures. I've been editing since Sunday and... I've done maybe a hundred pictures. <laughs> yeah, I've seen I've seen at least a dozen just stunning, like blow your mind National Geographic shots for sure. Thanks. I'm I'm really pleased with how they turned out and I can't wait to see what Sean comes home with after four months on the road. The end of August. I don't know how long he's gonna be editing, but it's gonna be a while because he was getting some great stuff and he did Big Sur and all the national parks and stuff before we got together. So he's got some some really, really cool stuff that he shot. It was really kind of fun. It wasn't kind of fun. It was great fun and recharging for my soul to be able to do nothing but photograph all day and just think photography. The only two thoughts we had all day was, what are we making for dinner? And <laughs> which was usually started that around 1030 at night after the sun went down. But then where we were going to go and shoot. And that was it. And got to just completely focus my mind on seeing pre preconceiving pictures and seeing what I was going to get before I even took the picture, 
it was really good for me. I feel really good, and I picked up a paintbrush. Um, I saw that, yeah. After after the camping part, I was in Seattle for a couple of days, and I'd brought a little pan of travel watercolors with me and knocked off three or four quick little sketches, and I'm starting to feel really good about that. So you'll be seeing more watercolors from me coming up again. It had been about a year since I'd done any, so I'll be adding that to my arsenal again. Yeah, I picked a favorite when you sent me some proofs. Um, while you were still away. Yeah, I have I have a favorite already. <laughs> cool. You'll have to tell me which one that is. I will, I will. So did you have a morning campfire coffee to start your day? The coffee was made in a camping French press, and it was over a propane burner so that we could do that really quickly. We didn't have to light the fire in the morning. We wouldn't light the fire until the end of the day, but we had coffee before we left camp. Some mornings that was as early as 4.30 if we had a ways to go to get to where we were going to shoot sunrise because the sunrise is ridiculously early there. By 6 o'clock, it's already fully up. And if we had a little time to drive and wanted to set up and get the glow before the sunrise, you know, we had to be out by 4.30. And the sun doesn't set on the, the northern part of the West Coast until 9.30, 10 o'clock. No wonder you're eating so late. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're firing up the campfire at 10 o'clock and putting steaks on, it takes a little while before you can eat. It was usually midnight before we crawled off to our tents and were planning where we were going to drive the next day. Let's see if I get back to where we were. Um, from Hood Mountain, we had a choice. We talked about it a little bit. We could go back past Portland again, pick up 101 and continue north along the coast or take a chance on seeing Mount St. Helens. So we would go straight north from Mount Hood and then make a hard left to the coast after Mount St. Helens. That's the option we took. And it didn't work out, but it did work out. Mount St. Helens itself was socked in with fog the entire morning. We were there. Every angle we looked at, we couldn't see it. So it was a bust on that count. But we got on some really, really great roads, some great mountain pass roads and some logging roads. Found some stuff that probably nobody has shot before. At least it felt that way. Sean is like a witch when it comes to finding locations using Google Maps. He looks at the satellites and goes, yeah, this road with no name, we're going to take that. And an hour later, there's this vista in front of you or you're in a rainforest full of trees that are 500 years old that aren't part of any park. It's really kind of amazing. He's really good at that. It's funny when you're, and he's been on the road for a while because he left Two, and, two and, months and or something May, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny. Um, you do get sort of a second sense when you're on the road like that, too. I remember well, on my road trip, uh, I didn't have Google Maps or a smartphone. So I did everything by Atlas. But, yeah, that sort of, you kind of have just a general sense of where you are when you're looking at an Atlas. Like I would imagine with a, if you could Google Map to see the topography, you'd be able to see where you'd be able to get the best shot from. Oh, yeah. We were on logging roads with no name that would start and branch off and branch off and branch off. And, you know, we're in this little SUV and with a trailer on the back of it to hold two storage boxes. And Looking like, up the road going, you think we can make it? There were a couple of times where we're scraping along the bottom trying to get out, but we made it. So from Mount St. Helens, we headed back to the coast and we went to Ruby Beach. So at that point we were in... Um, Olympic National Park, where we spent the rest of our time four nights in two different campsites and explored quite a bit of Washington from Shishi Beach and Cape Flattery, all kinds of great places. So that covers, uh, let's see, after, after Sean dropped me off in Seattle, I was there for four days and I got to photograph the Pride Parade in Seattle. That town loved 
yeah. pride. It was just so amazing to watch. I had so much fun with that. We both had a pride parade while you were gone because mine was in St. Pete the first day of our vacation. Right. And what a turnout. I mean, my God. I mean, the streets were just full of naked people. <laughs> <laughs> well, Seattle was half naked, but yeah. you get the idea. Yeah. I mean, they were pretty naked where I was. <laughs> it's Florida, so it was hot. That's true. It was only like 70 degrees where we were. I know some of those people were feeling awful bad the next morning because there were some very white, white, ivory white skinned people walking around with no clothes on. I do have to say one of the things I enjoyed absolutely the most about the trip was the times when it was 64 degrees during the day and 49 degrees at night. It was just such a refreshing break from the heat that we've learned how to live with here in Florida. Yeah. January days for here. Yeah. Even a little bit cooler than January days. It was what I'm used to, what my body was built on for 50 years. So mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I'm home. <laughs> you were slightly. <laughs> a little bit. Um, the last part of the trip was my wife, Wendy, flew out to San Francisco and I met her there. And my brother lives there. So we spent time with my brother's family and went to Sonoma and Napa and got to tour the vineyards. Uh, my brother, Doug, set up our first tasting at Lasseter Vineyards. And Lasseter Family Vineyard is owned by John Lasseter from Pixar. I love all the Pixar movies, that animation stuff. I just, I can't watch enough of those. And uh, so that was kind of thrilling. And the wines are incredibly, incredibly good. I mean, really world-class winemaking going on. At the very end of our tour, while we were in the tasting room, John Lasseter walked in and introduced himself and sat down and chatted with us for a while. So that was, that was a real highlight of the trip. And then we spent July 4th in the square in Sonoma. They really put on a, a big to-do in downtown Sonoma. We missed the parade, so that was probably a good thing because it was just so packed there. And on the Napa side, we went to Visatui, which is one of my favorite wineries going back to the early 90s. My brother and I used to go there. And then on the way home, we went to Truitthurst, which is up in Russian River. So we made a little bit of a detour to go there. And it was great family time and nice meals out and just good to spend time with family because my brother being a West Coaster, we don't get to spend as much time with each other as we'd like. So that was really kind of refreshing. It'd been a few years, right? How many years? Uh, Since I had been to California, 2008 was the last time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Doug's been here quite a few times, so it was certainly my turn. Yeah, to, to make the trip for sure. Yeah. Okay, so that gets us caught up with where we are on the things that we've been working on. I'm not quite sure yet what I'm going to do with the photographs. I have to think that through, but right now I'm just busy editing those. As far as things that I'm working on for myself or my art fulfillment, but also as part of the Flying Tortuga Brothers, I applied for a residency for this coming winter in Big Cypress. I thought that would be a feather in my cap for our application when it comes time for Loggerhead again. True, true. So I'm working on that. I'm planning at least one or two more visits to Big Cypress Swamp outside of Clyde Butcher's Gallery. I'm planning on a couple of different excursions. And Shannon, you're invited on any one of these you want to go on. I'm going to be going to Corkscrew Swamp like we had talked about. Mostly boardwalk there and easy access. But if you want to get a a glimpse of the Florida climactic zones all in one spot, this Audubon Trust spot at Corkscrew is really amazing. And that's over by Naples. I haven't been there since I was uh, in my 20s. But yeah, it was absolutely stunning then. 
and you mentioned the water table too. So <clears throat> I was there where the water table was high or when the water level was high. I remember it. It was very beautiful. So um, I look forward to that. That might be something I can do. It just depends on the schedule. Sure. Uh, when I was there, it was dry season, and the only spot that had any water was the very back swamp or a pond basically near the visitor's center which was teeming with life because the water had all drained yeah. away yeah. so everything is in that one part of the swamp but the landscape and the terrain were very interesting in dry season but i'm looking forward to bigger vistas of water with with that one and then the other place that i'm hoping to get to is uh Mayaka river state park which is one of clyde butcher's favorite haunts he's photographed there a lot it's his backyard now. As yeah, he's it is told his us. Backyard, backyard. And I'm looking to doing some kayaking and photographing there. That would be that would probably be a two day trip or two nights and three days. I haven't really worked that out yet. You have That'll, to spend a week in a place if you want to get to know it. I think he said three. Did he say three weeks? <laughs> but I think it was like, yeah, you gotta spend some time. Well, we spent a week and I really don't feel like I even touched the Homosassa Springs, um, in Brooksville sort of area, the Chaz River where we were. Um, by the time you get out there and kayak and you get back, well, if you're painting it and you come back with pictures, um, to work from yeah, with your experience is still fresh in your mind. It's like basically, um, explore for a day, paint for a day, explore for a day, paint for a day. And, and Clyde was actually absolutely right because I took this three week journey that encompassed four camping locations, three States, countless photographic spots but really any one of the spots that i was working in i could have you know i had one shot at each one you know we got there when the light was the light sometimes we camped two nights in each of the four spots so we had a couple of cracks at cannon beach a couple of cracks at ruby beach but for the most part if we were going someplace we were only going to see it that one time so you had the light that you had while you were there and you had to work with it you know clyde's point about spending a week there without taking a picture, just yeah. looking at what the light does is completely valid. And watching the weather. Yeah, absolutely. And watching the weather. I'd love to be able to slow down to that pace, but I've got to take my opportunities when they're in front of me and hope for the best sometimes. Yeah. That's which, life. Which I think is the more modern approach to it. Yeah. They're both valid ways, but I see the appeal of the way he does it. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Hey, it's something to shoot for. That's right. How about you? What are your plans for the rest of the summer? Anything big you're going to be working on? Well, I'm working on a, I have a large painting that's underway in the studio. It's about four foot by five and a half foot. It's, Ooh, it's that's big. a big one. Um, it's hard to get around up there <laughs> with this thing there, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, that's started. And um, um, started working on my golden foundation residency application again for mm -hmm. this year. Um so that's started. I got a thing. I got a couple of weeks before I have to have that in. So it's pretty easy. Everything's basically rollover from last year, except for I'm um, including some more up to date paintings to mm -hmm. be judged or looked at. So, so that's exciting. I'm I'm excited about that. I feel really good about that. Um, and I think since your last application, you have your show with the cultural council under your belt. So that's certainly included in the application. And yeah, yeah, you know. Any anything that can show like that is good. So, I I think you're you're gonna have no problem this year. I think it's a I think it's a lock. I feel it. Yeah, and the work's just getting better and better. The more you paint, that's so true with everything. I think photography and painting because your eye develops. But I'm finding faster ways to paint. Mm -hmm. um, 
because I just find these techniques that work better than the way I was doing it. And, you know, it's trial and error. Everything is, but. Well, that's a, that's the thing about painting is that once you get comfortable, you got to do something else anyway, because you, you don't want to just make a painting because you can, you have to have a reason to make it. So, and it's always the exploration. It's the same thing with me with photography. It's, there's never a resting spot. There's never, this is what I do. You know, this is, this is, this is my thing. You can get to a certain point technically with that, but then you're exploring the subjects more. And then when you, when you feel like that's conquered, you really feel the itch to find something else to, to show off or do or learn. Yeah. And I have sort of a, a photo morgue of things I want to paint, like from our trip uh, up to Jupiter um, mm -hmm. about a month and a half ago, two months ago, there are like two or three images that I really want to paint from that, tr that from that trip we took. But, um, you know, I, I wait till I'm in the right mindset to, to tackle that kind of a, uh, an image because there's going to be more foliage. There's going to be sand. There's going to be, you know, um, dry, dry wood, like basically dried trees. Um, well, and you're absolutely right. I remember when I first started painting, I set aside Sundays for painting and then I would sit there with a blank piece of watercolor paper in front of me and it would just scream at me. <laughs> I needed to, I wanted to paint and I wanted to finish a painting in that time Art doesn't work that way. You have to you have to give yourself over to it. You can't force it. So for a while there, I was making stuff I was really, really unhappy with, even though I had some technical craft with it. Just setting aside as being a, I'm a Sunday painter. You know, you have to, when the muse kicks you in the ass, mm -hmm. that's when you got to pick up the brush. Got to move, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I was, um, for 4th of July, I did a couple of fireworks paintings and they're just so fun. I mean, that one of them is just so magical. Um, well, the one I saw looked great, and I was—I wouldn't even think of trying to tackle fireworks in a painting. That was really kind of cool. I—I I, I got this book that I mean, I'm meaning to show you. It's uh, um, Night Paintings in America. It's called Nocturne. It's one of the best uh, one of the best art books I've seen in years. It's—I got it in hardcover. It's, I totally want to see it. Yeah, it's got Whistler in there. You know, he did a lot of night paintings and uh, Child Hassam and uh, a lot of these sort of um, American Impressionist painters doing night paintings. Um, Steichen, uh, the photographer, painter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just this book is incredible, but that's got me thinking about how to capture uh, light at night. So, I had a... Um a book experience as well on vacation. Um, it started with a museum experience. While I was in Seattle, I went to the the Fry Museum, and the Fry is not a big museum by any means. the The main salon is one room that's probably eighty by forty feet, and it's stacked for, floor to ceiling with some of the the finest collection I've seen. But what they did have in their front gallery was a show of American paintings from 1880 to 1930. Absolutely stunning stuff from the, the Fry family collection. Beautiful. I did get to do one of my at the museum digital paintings. I'm kind of branching out past the Norton at this point. But in the gift shop, I found um, they were having a sale on their books. And there was a biography of Edward Weston with the forward by Ansel Adams. Uh, that was the 50th anniversary version of that book. 
and I dove into it at night when I wasn't working. That whole Ansel Adams-Edward Weston friendship is really kind of amazing because they were so opposite in their approach to things. Ansel was so mechanical and scientific and built the zone system and knew that he would have to add X amount of development time to extend or contract the tonal range to get the image he wanted. And Edward Weston would feel like it needed a little more time, you know. So Mm -hmm. it was just, he was a very artistic approach. He was a painter who was trying, or he was an artist who was trying to be a photograph, a photographer with the mindset of a painter. And I think Adams came at it from the mindset of a scientist. So they both created some really, really stunning work. They were great friends. They both lived in and around Carmel. And yet their work was so totally different. And sometimes they shot side by side and got completely different images. So it was really fun perusing the images in that book and reading the words from Weston's journal because they matched up the pictures with journal pages. Hmm. Um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of the impressionists painted side by side and they'd paint the same image. They look totally different by just in their brush strokes and the colors they chose to mix in the styles and the vantage point would be slightly askew, but um, there'd be totally different um, paintings at the end. While I was away on my trip, I forgot to mention that um, our host, who also had a um, lived in the main house on the uh, ranch that we stayed at, um, when we got there, he wasn't there, but his um, his wife was there, and she says, "Oh, my my husband's a painter," and uh, I thought, "Wow, that's this is going to be great." Then there's going to be two painters. So when I did finally meet him, his name was um, Hamilton Bell. When I met him, I said, um, well, if you want to, I didn't think he would take me up on it. Most people don't because you're in the heat. You know, I said, if you, if you want to come out and paint with me, I mean, I would love to have somebody paint with me. And about three days in, he comes out on his um, golf cart and uh, makes sure that I'm serious. And then comes back with all of his painting gear (laughs) and sets up and we paint for six hours side by side. Um, in the sound of cicadas. You know? I was going to say probably barely a word passes between you, while, just the sound of the brush stroke and you're saying the cicadas. Yeah, and we had some quiet moments. We had some talkative moments, but there was a um, a real sense of comfort in that painting next to another person and then once in a while, and not feeling the need to speak and then being able to converse about um, the colors you're mixing. And we would talk to each other about, you know, what are you mixing for this? And right. Yeah, it was it was great. As opposed to the times you're painting at the beach when somebody stands over you and goes, what you doing? No, usually what it's... What are you painting? My daughter can do better than that, and she's seven years old. Well, I highly doubt that, but... But you'll hear these people say things like that as they stroll past you, and they're they're like 25 yards away, and, you know, sound carries at the beach, so you'll hear them telling who they're there with, you know. Sometimes it's joking, I'm sure, because... But it was... I can't tell you how rewarding it was to sit next to a guy and... and paint for six hours and you know at the end we're both exhausted neither one of us is giving up until this painting is done you know <laughs> and finally he just throws in his hat before i did i was getting close to finishing mine i'm like well um i literally have about 15 or 20 minutes to go so um but yeah i mean we we worked that day i mean we worked the whole day so it's, it's cool stuff and we've had similar experiences when we've gone out and i photographed while you painted and yeah you know it's the, it's that same that same feeling kindred thing and you don't have to be right next to each other just in the vicinity and checking in once in a while i i definitely like working like that it creates a, a sort of an atmosphere in your head too you know 
Yeah, yeah, it puts you in the right headspace. Well, I think we have definitely covered ground of where we've been and what we're working on for the, the next few weeks and months. I do promise the next episode we will have an interview with somebody who has been an artist in residence with the National Park Service. I'm going to find someone who say yes besides Clyde. And if not, I will impersonate the person and I'll change my voice <laughs> and uh, all the circumstances and names for people's protection. And I will, I will be the ghost, the ghost guest. So until then... We are the Flying Tortuga Brothers, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Take care.